0: A podcast one production.
1: Take it away, my dulcet-toned, so ridiculously tan Today I started laughing the second you walked through the door. Adonis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Actually, I am going to put this on so I can reenact a moment that I just love so much. Mm. We really care at Larry Air. (laughs) A deal so rare, it's Larry Air. Never flown Larry Air. Try Larry Air. Larry Air will get you from there to here. <laughs> Try one of our in-flight meals if you dare at Larry That's <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are you ready to start the show? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And Rosie, you're at the helm this week. I am. You've got a story for us.
1: This week, I will be giving you just the gist of the Luna Park ghost train fire.
0: Oh. Oh. Have
1: you ever heard of it? No. I can't believe it. Fifi has. He's nodding. He's excited. No, Never. I can't believe you've never heard of this. recent no, no,
0: 1979.
1: Uh-huh. My mum used to tell me about it when I was little and mm. it made me terrified of ghost trains, well, like more terrified of ghost trains. Mm. So in 1979, a fire broke out on the ghost train at Sydney's Lunar Park mm. and by the time firefighters got the blaze under control, seven people had been burned alive, trapped inside, six oh. of them children. And despite it being over 40 years now since the tragedy occurred, officials have never figured out how the fire started, nobody's ever been punished, but the two most prevalent ideas around what happened are that it was a Sydney criminal, Abe Saffron, who wanted to take over the park, caused the fire on purpose, or... But a devil-horned demon named Moloch started the fire as part of a child sacrifice. <laughs> I
0: was so hoping there was going to be some sort of wild conspiracy yeah. not so theory. So
1: <laughs> we're going to be touching on all of those. We're going to be going down a few rabbit holes. But this is such a famous Sydney story. I can't believe you've never heard of it. No. My mum used to tell me about it when I was really little. uh uh-uh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm. Just a couple of weeks ago, in the lead up to Halloween, we were trying to watch a scary movie about a haunted house where, like, it actually turned into yeah, a yeah, yeah. house. Couldn't watch it. Just could not. <laughs> the thought of walking into a place like that or getting to mm. one of those ghost train things of intentionally being scared by an actual physical presence near you, Ugh. I could not do it. Ugh, I tried okay. it once in my life and it was... Really? enough, yeah.
1: <gasps> Interesting. Yeah, at a carnival at Edelon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. because there are those really B grade ones where, like, just people run out with masks on and touch your head. Yes. And, and, like, it, it's the cheapest scares are usually the best ones. Yeah. I think
0: it was powerful, it was effective. Mm. Definitely
1: memorable. Well, anyway, before we get to that. <gasps> Breaking news, a breaking news, I got the scoop of see extra, extra. read all about it, a breaking news. Do, 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 do. Now, there's a lot going on in the world this week, mm-hmm. but you know that breaking news always ends up being the things that I think are most important yes. to tell you about. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I <laughs> have found most important this week, the biggest, most pressing headline, is that... Mario Lopez is starring in a Christmas movie sponsored by KFC called A Recipe for Seduction, in which he plays (laughs) Colonel
0: Sanders.
1: (laughs) It's amazing. And it's legit. (laughs) Like, when the headline first came out, I was like, that's got to be like some SNL sketch or some <laughs> joke for some ad. Then the trailer dropped. Yeah. There is a, tra- a one minute 30 trailer and he has, he's, you know, Mario Lopez is like, um, is he Hispanic? I think, or. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Slater from Saved by the Bell. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: He has the white goatee and the white mustache <laughs> and the kind of salt and pepperish hair. They couldn't go full on white hair. Mm. And it's kind of like a lifetime romance movie and he moves to this mansion to work for this rich family as their chef, as their new cook and he has this secret recipe that he thinks is going to take over the world (laughs) and the daughter of the family is meant to marry this rich guy from town but she falls in love with Colonel Sanders (laughs) and then there's murder and intrigue and jealousy. And it's a legit, they're calling it a lifetime mini movie. So I'm not sure how, it's probably about 40 minutes or something. And I think they've tricked onto that perfect level of irony in marketing. Like we've been talking about Total Landscaping, where the um, funny press conference was. It's like, if you do something that is so ridiculous, but release it seriously, more people are going to ironically love it than Mm. if you'd just done a regular boring thing.
0: Yeah. For sure. This is a
1: movie about Colonel Sanders, a lifetime movie about Colonel Sanders falling in love with someone while he develops the secret herbs and spices. (laughs) And he's played by sexy Mario Lopez.
0: (laughs) It's got everything. Do you
1: wait? (laughs) Let's. I'm going to play you the trailer right now just so we can get your reactions. Just hold tight, everyone. But I strongly suggest you go and watch it yourself doing a lifetime original mini movie you don't answer
0: my proposal and now you're not answering my call i think i'm falling for the new chef (laughs) jessica is falling for harlan (laughs) the cook (laughs) leave jessica alone and skip town he has a secret recipe that's going to change the world harlan claims to have some secret recipe a
1: secret recipe (laughs) spare me we all have our secrets (laughs) (laughs) if you marry my daughter There'll be more long weekends in your future. Mom, I have oh, to oh, tell oh. you something. We have a problem.
0: Secrets out, Chicken Man. I'll take care of this. He's ruining everything! <laughs> <Stop it already. laughs> Who the hell are you? Harlan Sanders, the new chef. Mario Lopez is Colonel Sanders. <laughs> in a recipe for <laughs> seduction. The years 13th at noon. Only on Lifetime. <laughs> presented by Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs>
1: Not the most <laughs> genius bit of advertising. Like it's clearly just all to advertise KFC, but I cannot wait to watch that. It's going to go down in history as one of the so bad it's good movies of all time.
0: They're so 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 smart. So smart. And I think we are witnessing the birth of a whole genre because the other one that this reminds me of is the Mel Gibson vehicle, The Fat Man.
1: Yes. Have you seen yeah. the
0: ad for that where yeah. it was the same situation where everyone was sharing it with each other, asking the question, is this real yeah. or are we being punked? Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. What a treat. Oh,
1: you would love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So That's my favourite breaking news of the week pretty much. <gasps> um, <laughs> I had some others, but nothing's going to top that.
0: <laughs> the lot of times they use the word secret in the... <laughs> Um, the trailer
1: I'm Harlan Sanders (laughs) I'm the new chef
0: everyone has their secrets
1: and then that he's tied up in a chair there's a (laughs) knife like there's a scary knife it's oh guys you've got to go watch it a recipe Uh, what is it called
0: a recipe for seduction a
1: recipe for seduction Mm.
0: but seduction has like a knife slash through it so you know that there's some danger
1: happening oh well i won't go into my others then because that was that was just too good i mean i'm going i'm taking my nephew muhammad to the premiere of the frozen musical tonight Very excited. He's got his little suit. Mm. He's going to walk the red carpet. He's super pumped. Mm. That's why I'm here in Sydney and we're recording together. Mm. And, yeah, that's what's going on with me.
0: Cool. Well, Have you
1: read the news this week?
0: (laughs) Surprisingly, yes. (laughs) And I've taken a similar approach to you in the sense that I've just cherry-picked one thing, which is similar in a way that it's kind of like you've got a company that's punking people and it's made Mm. headlines because people don't know whether this is being done intentionally or not, but celebrations has been getting a lot of heat. You know, Mars, yeah, Yeah. chocolate celebrations, because they did an advent calendar yeah, and it seems intentionally they've put bounties in the first, second, third, and fourth advent calendar window. People are up in arms because they don't like bounties and this has ruined Christmas for them.
1: (laughs) But there's always going to be bounties.
0: But the fact that it seems so intentional that the first four days... Well, because you
1: get the... out of the day for, out of the way <laughs> first like you don't want to be opening a bounty on December 23rd Like, Mm. I think that's a strategic move. Get the crappy ones out of the way.
0: It's been working because it has got a lot of attention and a lot of people have been coming forward
1: and complaining. Coming bravely, coming (laughs) forward. Stepping out of the shadows. (laughs) That $8 advent calendar (laughs) has four (laughs) bounties in a row. (laughs) But
0: they're so outraged. They're saying, this is not funny and I definitely won't be buying this ever again and I won't support your company because you've inflicted these bounties on me. And so then Celebration's keeps like posting images of memes that they've modified (laughs) with a bounty in them like a guy falling asleep hugging a bounty and the caption is us sleeping at night knowing that we've ruined people's christmas that's
1: really good social media a really good job really (laughs) funny
0: absolutely cracks me up um i'll send you the link because it's definitely worth
1: I love it's when company Somebody
0: are... needs to be held accountable. Get this in the bin. <laughs> three in a row, three unhappy children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if your kids can't handle that disappointment, then they're going to have a tough life. Like,
0: oh, yeah. that is
1: just... Come on now, settle.
0: <laughs> this is a chance to build resilience. Oh, my God, us.
1: but you know what that kind of outrage reminds me of? Surely you would have seen... It was probably about a week ago now the drunk woman who um, testified in one of the Donald Trump lawsuits? No. Because you know how Trump is still just refusing to concede mm. and Rudy Giuliani's all over town mm. doing lawsuits to try and melting get the... yeah Yeah, mel- literally melting and trying to get judges to overturn the votes and the judges let you have no evidence of, you know, voter fraud... fraud. Mm. So anyway, I can't believe you haven't seen this. So last week they were testifying in some state. I don't, know, I kind of don't even know where. And this woman was saying that she was an IT contractor hired to just like keep an eye on the voting machines or whatever. Mm. And she's saying that she saw a food truck pull up that was meant to be delivering dinner, but she never saw any food come out of it. And then ten minutes later, there was all of a sudden thousands of votes for Biden. Right. And she was clearly drunk mm. and deranged. So she's testifying before this high court judge in the state. Yeah. And she's like, I saw the truck. I saw it. Did you see the truck? You didn't see the truck. You don't know what I saw. And the lawyer's like, But do you have evidence? Can you provide us with evidence? Mm. The evidence is I'm here saying it. I'm here saying it. I'm saying it right now. And her hair is like frazzled and she looks crazy. And at one point, even Rudy Giuliani leant forward and tapped her on the shoulder like you have to do to a drunk friend who's gone. And he's He's like, come on, come back. And she turns and she's like, no, no. And she gets talking, she's yelling. And it went viral because she was clearly pissed. Oh, no. And out of her mind deranged. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen that. I
0: know. It's surprising that that one got past me.
1: Melissa Carone. People are calling her the ultimate Karen. So if you just Google her name, you'll see it. And um, she's now saying she wasn't drunk, but. Just Google it and watch it. Okay. That lady was drunk. I can't wait. <laughs> and a very angry Karen. <laughs> yeah. So if you decide to leave your entire news consuming <laughs> to Jacob and I, then that's what you that's, get. That's, that's,
0: <laughs> that's breaking news. That's
1: the important breaking news this week. Thank you so much. Do, 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 breaking news. Do, 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 do. All right. <sighs> Get to it. So
0: we're going back to the 70s. Yes, Luna I will Park, Sydney.
1: tell you about the Lunar Park Ghost Train Fire, which I still cannot believe you've never heard of. Yeah. Mm.
0: Well, it's not really that surprising.
1: Yeah, you haven't heard of things. Mm. Unless they're like musical or famous female pop icon related. Mm. Mm. Yep.
0: So I stand by my choices. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm providing a bit of context here, then, for people who are like you. Mm-hmm. Luna Park mm-hmm. is one of Sydney City's most famous tourist attractions. Mm-hmm. It's right on the harbour, pretty much directly underneath the Harbour Bridge, across the water from the Opera House, and it's not a place I think that Sydney, like Sydney locals, tend to go to. It's quite touristy. Like the mm-hmm. last few years, they do events there now, so there's mm-hmm. like concerts there and stuff. So I think people go there for that, yep. but I, as a Sydney cider, I think I've once been to Luna Park as like a thing to do, mm. and it's because we took my sister's kids.
0: Yeah, it's touristy. I've never been there during the daytime. I've only been there once back when I used to work for Maya. Yeah, like and they an had event there, right? A ball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, ended with me dancing on stage with the Young Divas. Remember <laughs>
1: It <laughs> called you Because I was
0: just jiving uh, so enthusiastically, me up. And you were the biggest diva
1: up. of all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's that kind of place. It's, like, quite touristy. I mean, people who are doing the tourist thing around Sydney will go see the Harbour Bridge. Mm. They'll go to Circular Quay, which is the area on the water under the Harbour Bridge. They'll go to the Opera House. They'll go to Taronga Zoo. And they'll go to Luna Park. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the... The little main spots you do when you're touristing our city. Mm -hmm. Luna Park was built on that site in 1935. And fun fact, up until then, the space had just been a giant pit where they put all the machines and like dirt that they moved to build the harbour bridge. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't much there and it was really uggo. And when the bridge was finished, they were trying to think about what to do with it. And Sydney, like council, opened up applications for people to do something there. Mm -hmm. And these dudes in Adelaide, specifically a place called Glenelg, because I'm an Adelaide local now, Uh so I know the places, (laughs) they had a lunar park there. So at that point in time, there was the famous lunar park at Coney Island in New York, Mm -hmm. there was a lunar park in St Kilda in Melbourne, Mm -hmm. and there was a lunar park randomly at Glenelg. Mm -hmm. And the guys who owned the lunar park at Glenelg were having problems with their local council and residents complaining about noise, and they were like, well, F you guys, and they said to Sydney, we'll bring lunar park There, we'll Mm. take it away from here and bring it there. And Sydney was like, Yes, we want Luna Park. So they literally moved the entire theme cut park from South Australia to Sydney. Like, Mm. kind of like I imagine when you see on the news, like they move entire houses to new locations. Like, they kind of moved all of it and Mm -hmm. then just replonked it Mm -hmm. right there on the harbour. The transport included the famous face that you walk through to enter the so scary creepy. face. Yes, mm-hmm. the biggest ride, which was a roller coaster called the Big Dipper. There was like a river kind of rapids ride and there was the ghost train. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is really creepy. So the face is creepy enough, but they actually had to remodel the face in the 1950s because the original face had begun to warp and sag so <laughs> much that it was even more terrifying than when it looks normal. How scary is that? Not relevant to the story. I was just like, well, that would have been horrifying.
0: So there's no pictures?
1: Not that I could find. I thought it's worse before it had a facelift. Yeah, it's had a facelift. It's had a few facelifts since then, but yeah. Um, More rides were added over time because the owners um, sort of travelled the world and were looking at growing theme park technology. Mm -hmm. So they added the ride called, um, it's quite famous at Lunar Park called the Rotor. It's one of those rides that spins around so fast and you stick to the wall. Uh You know that one? And then if you spew, it comes back in your face. (laughs) Hmm. It was pretty much at that point when they opened it in Sydney in 1935, a bunch of rides, the fairground area that they called Coney Island as like an homage to the park they'd modelled themselves after. Mm -hmm. There was a place called Crystal Palace, which was like a little event area where people have weddings there to Mm. this day. And then just a bunch of arcade games and little food areas selling hot dogs. And so it's like a fair. Mm. Like it's like one of those theme parks that isn't, a big Disneyland theme park. It's just a little, it's kind of dodgy Carnival-ish. one. carnival Carnivalish. Yeah. yes, yes. It was open nine months of the year, so it shut over winter for three months every year to do, like, necessary upgrades and maintenance mm-hmm. and painting and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it went this way from when it opened in Sydney in 1935 until 1972, when the dudes who had originally opened Luna Park just Some of them were dead. I think there was one left. She was really old and they Mm. decided to sell. Mm. They um, sold the land to this major company called World Trade Center, Pty Ltd. And I did look up if it had anything to do with the World Trade Center in the US, but it doesn't. There's a lot of companies and places called World Trade Center. Really? Yes. Okay. So, but you know what's really creepy? And I know this means nothing, but this morning when I was typing in... To Google World Trade Center Pty Ltd, just because I wanted to do a, a final check if I could find anything. Mm. My computer just immediately died. <laughs> oh.
0: I was like, wait. Shut down by the feds. Yes,
1: I don't know. But anyway, so, but I did eventually sort of, I kept digging and I found literally a hundred companies called something like that. Mm. So it, I think it's just what it was called. Yeah. So they took over the license and the land where Luna Park was in 1972, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to knock the park down completely and build a bunch of high-rises. But at this point, the park had been in Sydney since 1935. It had been a major attraction for, like, servicemen during World War II. It had become an iconic part of the city. It had Mm -hmm. been there for almost 40 years at that point. Mm -hmm. And so the council stepped in and, and they were like, Luna Park is a Sydney icon now. Soz, like, we're not going to let you knock it down and build high rises. And so the World Trade Center, PTYLTD, were like, ugh, we don't want this stupid theme park. Like, we <laughs> wanted to build skyscrapers and stuff. And so they don't give a shit. Like, they just want to make money. So the first thing they do is get rid of the nine months on, three months off system. They're like, every day of the year, like, we're not losing money. They don't want to spend money on necessary upgrades that are needed that the mm. previous park owners generally did every year. Mm. And, I mean, at this point, the park was built in 1935. It's kind of dilapidated and a bit crap. Mm. So it needs a lot of tender love and care, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then they decided, okay, well, if we can't build skyscrapers and they're going to make us keep it as Luna Park then let's gut Luna Park and turn it into like a modern Disneyland park. So Mm -hmm. they were going to go around and just get all the coolest rides, the coolest stuff, up the prices. And so then all the rides that were there then, they were like, oh, we don't give a shit about them because we're going to knock them down. So they were just like, they're just placeholders until we put something here that can make money. Mm -hmm. So they just weren't doing anything to take care of the park, keep it maintained, keep it safe, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where things are at when... In 1979, the ghost train fire occurs. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I wanted to ask you if you've been on a ghost train, but you told me before, yes, once and you'll never do it again. Never. It was a haunted house or a ghost train?
0: I think it was a bit of both. There was part that you had to walk through and there was part yeah. where you actually had to sit on something that took you mm. yeah, as a little train. But it I was mean, so ramshackle.
1: Very much. The ones that you go on at, like, the Easter show or at local town, like the Senecoast, Fair or whatever you mm. I don't know what you have but like it's very much like um you've got the front facade mm-hmm. that always has it's usually got like it or Pennywise or something painted on it mm. and then the doors to enter and exit are right next to each other mm. so and you get in a little car that goes on a train track and you go through the entry doors mm. and then in the back you go around a maze of tunnels and there's just a bunch of shitty things in there like You know, some people will literally run and touch you,
0: or that's the worst part. Yeah, when the animatronics jump out and lightning flashes, and there's a smoke bomb that goes off or something, that's tolerable. But when a stranger runs their fingernails through your (laughs) hair, you don't forget something like that.
1: Yes, and so you go in there, usually takes what five minutes or less, Mm. and then you come out the exit doors, which are right next to the entry doors, and Mm. then it's and that's it. Yeah, so that's what that's what all the ghost trains that I've been on. Have been like. I'm assuming this one was quite similar in design. Mm. I mean, they said that it was uh, all entirely made of tinder. uh, Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Something on your mind. It's all entirely made of timber. (laughs) Um, It was still pretty much exactly the same as it had been when they built it in Adelaide in the 30s and then brought it over. Mm. Um, It was all wood, the roof was corrugated irons, it was like an oven mm. most of the animatronic things were literally made of like paper mache and stuff <laughs> like that yeah. like it was old yeah. they didn't have people running around inside their one but they did have like stuff that popped up and jumped mm. out and then went back in and mm. um, it was very dark, it was pitch black and it was very maze mm. it was very like like a maze when you were mm. back there so it's the 9th of June 1979 mm and a fire breaks out in the ghost train at about ten fifteen 15 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, the first sign that anything is wrong is that an attendant at the entrance can smell smoke, and when the doors open, he sees smoke coming out. Mm. And all the little train cars are inside at this point. So mm. there's, they're all full, and they're waiting for them to go through the ride and come back out, and then they put new people in, yep. and then they go around. Then people start noticing a lot of dark smoke coming out of the roof and out of the entrance and exit doors. And then the first car bursts out of the exit doors and the riders sitting in it are covered in soot and coughing and they're screaming that there's a fire inside and the flames were as high as the roof, which is like five metres high. A survivor called Frank Juhasi told the Daily Telegraph years later that he and his wife had been lucky to make it out alive. They said... The car knows through the doors and we could see flames all around us. We were seconds away from death. Oh! Crowds start gathering out the front and looking because oh. cars are coming out and mm. people are saying there's a fire in there. And now they're starting to see the flames coming up through the roof. Mm. The attendants don't really know what to do except to not let anyone else on. So mm. they're just like, eh, and it's too hot for them to go in. Cars uh, coming out and every time a car comes out with m- like more people on it, the crowd's cheering like mm. they're alive, people are getting out, people oh, are coming out. God. So these cars keep coming out. Um, firefighters are called and get there pretty quickly. Um, at this point it's been less than 10 minutes since they even noticed smoke. Mm-hmm. So this has all happened very, very fast. Yep. Eventually the cars, a couple of cars come out empty and then no cars come out at all. So they assumed that everyone who was in there had made it out. Had made it out. Mm. Now the flames are engulfing the building. It's a huge fire. I'll put, when we put in the uh, resources in the show notes, good places to go and look at pictures. It's huge. There's no water available on site, like a fire hydrant or anything, because they didn't follow safety guidelines. So the tank water in the fire trucks runs out pretty fast. So they literally start pumping water straight from the harbour, trying to put the fire out which they do, about an hour after the, f- the smoke was first spotted, the fire seems to be out. And they've thankfully contained it to just the ghost train, so it didn't spread to the Big Dipper, which mm-hmm. was right there, and other rides around it. And they're pretty optimistic everyone's out. Mm-hmm. But when firefighters first venture inside, they see that isn't the case. Oh. So first of all, they find Father John Godson and his two sons six-year-old Damien and four-year-old Craig all huddled together oh. in the darkness. He had died shielding oh. them with his body. And then in a separate little huddle, they find four boys from Waverley College. I couldn't find their ages anywhere, mm. but in the photos of them, they look about 13 or 14, like they're young. Mm. They were also huddled together holding each other. Their names were Jonathan Billings, Richard Carroll, Michael Johnson and Seamus Raleigh. Mm. Waiting outside the ghost train for her family to come out is Jenny Godson. Mm-hmm. Her little family had traveled from a country town out west called Warren for a holiday. The day had been pushed back because of, even back then, train delays. <laughs> trains had been, buses had <laughs> replaced trains that day. So the reason they were um, at Luna Park so late is because they'd gotten to Sydney so late. Oh so God. everything had kind of been pushed back for them. But they decided, you know what, we'll make the most of it. They end the night at Luna Park. They'd spend that day at Circular Quay, Tarunga Zoo, all the things. They had four ride tickets left and the boys said they wanted to use them on the ghost train. And so the four of them were about to go on the ride when Jenny saw an ice cream stand and had a sudden, intense craving for ice cream, which she later said was very weird because she hated ice cream, didn't like it, Mm. never ate it. But in that moment, she just got this intense craving And so she said to the boys and her husband, wow, you know what? I actually feel like an ice cream. You guys go, I'll get one and I'll wait for you to come Mm. out. She noticed commotion and crowds like within a few minutes and she walks over. She she said she could hear screaming coming from inside the ghost train that clearly wasn't just people on the ride having fun. It was like Mm. a different kind of real fear screaming. Then she saw the smoke and she gathered outside the front of the ghost train like everyone else, and she saw the cars coming out and people cheering, and she's just standing there with her ice cream like, okay, well, they'll come out. My Mm -hmm. family will come out. You know, the firefighters arrive, and she just keeps waiting and waiting, and then no more cars are coming out, and she's trying to get the attention of a firefighter, but they're all busy, and then finally when the chaos kind of slows down a little, uh, it's been about an hour, she finally gets someone's attention, and that's after they've been inside and they mm. pull her aside and say, your fam- oh, we found your family inside. No, they didn't come no. out. Mm. Um, she hadn't noticed that the whole time she was standing there, another young boy was standing waiting next to her and his name was Jason Holman. And he had been with the Waverly College boys. He was their friend mm. and he was sitting in the car directly behind them and he had made it out and they didn't. And now he was waiting alongside Jenny and they were the only two people who still had people inside. Mm. And here's the awful thing. These people died because they got out of the train cars. That's what
0: I was going to ask. Yeah.
1: Because Jason was in the last one and he stayed in his and he Mm. came out. If they had just stayed on the cars on the ride until the end, they would have got to the exit doors. But at one point, John Godson decided to climb out of the car with his sons to try and make his way Mm. to safety the Waverly boys had been in the car behind him and thought, well, if he's going, we'll go. And Jason, who was in the last car by himself, said it was really dark and smoky and he couldn't, he didn't know what was going on, so he Mm. just stayed put. And then he came out. And that makes sense to me. You're in this enclosed space. It's dark. It's scary. You know there's a fire. Mm. You've got your two little kids with you. You are like, I'm not sitting here waiting to die. Mm. Let's go. Like, don't you think?
0: Absolutely, but then I mean, anyone who's been in one of those things will understand it's really disorientating because it's super dark, it's super loud, lights are flashing all yeah. over the place. You can see flames it's going to be really hard to work your way back to the entry point or I guess
1: that's true, but also if they're from a small country town, they've probably never been on a ride like this before mm. if you th- and you don't know what's ahead, you think maybe you're going into the fire. Mm. It was honestly a decision that anyone could have made. Mm. It was either risk going into a fire that you don't know is there mm. or get up and go like mm. and he just it was the wrong choice.
0: I probably would have done the same.
1: I thought yeah, I was thinking about it and I was like, man, I I I if I was with Muhammad or Aya and I I'm not sure I could just sit there mm. and not do anything. Like I'd be like, let's get going.
0: You'd think that you'd be able to retrace your steps. Yeah,
1: get, you would. Out the
0: way you came you in. You would. Um, but
1: Because it, it's, they're not very big, but they're very deceptive because it's just a may, a literal maze of tunnels. Mm. So you've only been in there for a minute. You're like, of course I can make my way back.
0: But mm. full of smoke. Yeah. Super noisy, super dark. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Oh.
1: So by the next day, photos of the ghost train like remains because it was decimated in the daylight, it like showed that it was just completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like you see the photos, it's just how it's how anybody made it out. It's mm-hmm. crazy that it was a fire that was only an hour. Um, Luna Park was immediately closed for an investigation into what happened. Mm-hmm. So what did happen, Jacob? Well, they're not entirely sure, mm-hmm. and to this day, it is still referred to as one of Sydney's greatest unsolved mysteries. Mm-hmm. They don't know. So a coronial inquiry found that a fire had started somehow, Mm -hmm. but they didn't know how. Mm -hmm. They ruled out that it was an electrical fault or a fault with the wiring on the ride. So they could rule out a a few things that it definitely wasn't, but they didn't know what it definitely was. Mm -hmm. Um, They did find, though, the inquest did find, though, that while they couldn't determine how the fire started exactly, they could determine that it got as bad as it did because of negligence on the part of Lunar Park management. Mm-hmm. So they had ignored recommendations a year earlier to install a sprinkler system throughout <laughs> the ride. Oh, you're kidding. They had ignored recommendations to provide better lighting inside the ghost train for emergencies. So when there's an emergency, mm. turn off all the ride stuff and turn on floodlights, yeah. maintenance lights, mm. to help people get out. Mm-hmm. They said that the fire inspector guy who had done that inspection to give recommendations a year earlier said that he did a walkthrough when the maintenance lights were on Mm. and it was still so dark that he could barely see where he was going. So Mm. the maintenance lights were even no help to anyone. A couple of months before the fire was the deadline for them to have put all these safety measures in place, Mm. but they applied and received a 12-month extension because they hadn't done it yet, and the only condition was as long as they promised to keep a staffer inside the rides at all times in case an emergency happened, which they didn't do. They just said, well, we've got someone on the front door, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Despite all of that, Mm. the coronial inquest found that although Luna Park management had failed in their duty of care to patrons, Mm. it didn't meet a high enough level of negligence to be considered criminal negligence. So the only punishment they received was having the Lunar Park license taken away from them. That's it.
0: The thing they didn't want in the first place. <laughs> mm. In
1: 1987, there was another inquiry to try and figure out how the fire started and mm-hmm. that too ended with no conclusion they don't know. They've never been able to know. And so when there's no confirmed story, rumours start to swell you know that people love to fill a vacuum. Mm. And so, this is when people started talking about Abe Saffron, mm. who is like this quite famous underworld Sydney criminal figure who ran a lot of like clubs in King's Cross and venues where dodgy things happened. Mm. He had been pestering the owners of Luna Park to take over the park for quite some time, and they kept refusing him. Mm-hmm. And so people started speculating that he had the fire lit, like as arson, in order to have the Lunar Park license taken away from those owners so he could then purchase it. Purchase it. Right. Apparently, like, you know, it was the kind of thing where it was done late, nobody was meant to die. He had no idea that their safety measures were so bad. like. Right. He always like kind of proudly admitted to things he had done. And mm-hmm. so people said, well, yeah, but the only reason he didn't admit to this is because seven people, including six children, died. Mm-hmm. In 2007, his niece came out a couple weeks after he died and said that um, he admitted that he had done it privately mm. but then a few days later she freaked out and backtracked and said she was misquoted mm-hmm. which the paper she gave the interview th- to insist she wasn't mm-hmm. so a lot of people think she said that and then the surrounding family was like shut up girl mm-hmm. and made her take it back
0: you'll end up swimming with the fishes exactly right. mm-hmm.
1: swimming with the fishes
0: sleeping with the fishes, sleeping sorry. With the fishes. <laughs> don't they say
1: swimming swimming I well, don't know. Do go swimming with the fish. So anyway, yeah. you wear lead shoes at the bottom of a lake. Is mm. that what they say? I don't know. The harbour. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that theory, which is still quite prevalent today. Mm. Then there is the other theory, which is the very strange one. And at first when I heard this, I was like, this is really horrible that people keep going on about this because it must be so painful to Jenny Godson. But she's actually one of the people who brought it up publicly and says she can't rule it out. Uh-huh. So... A few months after the tragedy, Jenny had lent her camera to a friend, mm. and when that friend went to get the pictures developed, there were still some pictures on the roll of film from that day—the yeah. very last pictures taken of the children—and there was a really weird photo of six-year-old Damien that she did not remember taking. Mm. So he's standing, smiling at Circular Key, and there is a shirtless man standing over his shoulder with his arms sort of ominously on him mm. and he has cowhide around his shoulders and a demon mask with devil horns that kind of looks like it was made out of some kind of real animal like it's a really mm. scary looking pagan-esque costume of like a they call him the devil horned man mm. do you want to see?
0: yes please Oh my god.
1: That's the last photo oh. ever taken of her son. Oh <laughs> Yeah.
0: It looks like Jason Voorhees.
1: Yes, slash Friday that guy from Halloween, Michael, yeah, Myers, Michael Myers, but as that. a as a demon.
0: Yeah, with Hellboy Horns. And this was at Lunar Park?
1: That was at Circular Quay before oh, they headed over oh, to Lunar Park.
0: It was like a performance artist.
1: Well, yes. Park. So she couldn't remember the photo being taken. She did remember at, that day at Circular Quay, there's lots of buskers there. It's kind of like Times Square in New York. There's people dressed up. There's people, you know, doing funny things. She could remember there was a folkish group of people doing a bit of a parade mm. and that this scary demon man had kind of come up to them and demanded to stand with her son, mm. like, and she was just like, mm, whatever. But she'd completely forgotten about it until she saw this photo. Mm. The photo was released publicly and people started saying that the devil-horned man had a striking resemblance to Moloch, which is the biblical name of a Canaanite god mm. associated specifically with child sacrifice through fire.
0: Oh, Oh my God.
1: And if you look up Moloch right now, you will see that, I swear to he does look like Moloch. It looks like this guy's dressed as Moloch.
0: Yes, I hope you've seen the full-length version of this picture because he's wearing a leopard-skin loincloth. Moloch was also, I think, a demon on Buffy at some point. M-O-L-L.
1: M-O-L-O-C-H. It looks the same. So that's when people were like... This was some kind of sacrifice, and he had, like, chosen her children earlier in the day. Wow. Um, so, Jenny, who remarried and had a daughter in 1986, she's today called Jenny Poitavon, has said in interviews that she doesn't know how or why the whole thing happened. She's not in a position to rule anything out. Mm. But she's like, I never liked ice cream in my life. I never ate it. And I had this craving. And the trains were delayed. We had to get buses. So we were really late. We were there at the right time. Mm -hmm. There was this demon photo, which seemed to be like almost on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so she's just said she can't rule anything out. Over the years, men, a man called her a few times and says he knows for a fact that people were setting off firecrackers and she, people have contacted her with mm. all kinds of crazy things. But she just says no matter why it happened, she thinks it was fated to happen. It was fate that it was going to happen that day. And there's nothing she can do about it. That's what she says.
0: And that fate saved her for some reason by giving her an ice cream craving.
1: Well, I don't know.
0: She hasn't explained that.
1: In an interview with the Daily Telegraph in 2015, she said she just doesn't know what to believe anymore, but for the sake of her health and mental well-being, she had to let it go. Mm. For years, she campaigned to get justice, for someone to get blamed. Mm. They never did. She says, "'To this day, I still believe that there is someone out there that knows the exact truth, and I don't believe justice has been done in terms of what truly happened there that night.'"
0: We'll have to agree with that Yeah. if no one was actually held accountable. I mean, that is such
1: I think, criminal negligence. I think thinking that it's fate is not so much I was saved. I think thinking that it's fate may be a way of handling your grief. Like, there's mm. nothing I could have done. You know, a series of events were set in motion that day that the day was going to end that way. Yeah, yeah. That uh, would, I mean, I can see people reaching for that.
0: Yeah, The. Brutality of ugly reality living here on Earth is often too much for people, and so they then just retreat to the supernatural.
1: Oh, of course, that's Um, why people want to believe in QAnon and stuff like that. One hundred percent. It's why when, you know, people want to believe that child abuse is because of a satanic cult and Mm -hmm. not because, you know, something like fifty percent of children are abused by a male family member. You don't want to believe that. Mm. You want to believe that there's rhyme and reason to it and that rhyme and reason is evil because then there's a chance you can stop that evil. Mm.
0: I initially, when you first started explaining this, I thought for sure that she was going to kind of be Lindy Chamberlain and that people Mm. were going to blame her, that there were going to be theories that she... And somehow orchestrated the whole thing. Oh, and yeah. That's no, why she nothing wasn't like on that. the ride and told everyone she had this mysterious craving for ice cream that saved her.
1: Yeah, no, nothing um, like that. She had a really awful life for a while. She went back to the town they lived in, but it was too painful. So she ended up moving to Sydney. And she said it was about, it took about 12 months for the grief to hit. Mm-hmm. And then it's like she was on autopilot. And then after that 12 months, she, had a complete mental breakdown over the whole thing Of course, it took a really long time and a lot of hard work for her to build herself up part of what helped was the inquiries and like wanting Mm. to get a sense of justice and then she met someone and had another baby and she said that baby really gave her you know a sense of purpose and she felt like that was her miracle baby that pulled her out of Mm -hmm. her grave
0: okay so i'm glad that she wasn't Implicated. No. Um, but wow, what a tragedy to go through. That's so sad. Losing
1: your whole family yeah. on what, just standing there with an ice cream going, what? Um,
0: and knowing that it was such a grim, painful yeah. experience for them. So full of terror. Awful.
1: Ooh. So after taking Luna Park away from World Trade Center, Pty Ltd, mm. Sydney Council started taking applications for other people who wanted to take over the park. Mm. World Trade Center applied twice. Mm again and Sydney was like no go away you're not getting it (laughs) so then they were like okay Mm. Um, a company was eventually picked they bulldozed everything except the heritage listed face Mm. uh, Crystal Palace and Coney Island and so they put in all new rides and it reopened again in 1982 so Mm. only three years later and since then, as everybody in Sydney knows, it's closed and opened and closed and opened and gone from owner to owner to owner to owner. They were going to close it permanently for a while. Mm. And then, like, residents moved in and um, complained that the rides were noisy. And it's like, well, why do you move next door to a theme yeah. park and then complain <laughs> that the rides are noisy? So then for a while they were like, we might have to get rid of all the mm. rides. And, but it's kind of as it is today. It's heritage listed. So mm. it will always be Lunar Park in one way or another. Mm. And it is quite a popular place to go now. By the way, it should be said plain and clear, it is run by entirely different people. Uh Like it's the people who run it now have nothing to do with what happened then. Mm -hmm. I think they've done a bit of sneaky PR on the internet because when you Google it, the Wikipedia page for Luna Park barely mentions the fire, Mm. but then the fire comes under the Sydney Ghost Train Fire is a Wikipedia entry. So I think they're trying to just separate Mm -hmm. this awful thing from Luna Park. Which is understandable. Of course, Mm. yeah. There is a memorial plaque, though, at the site of where the ghost train once stood. Mm -hmm. And there's a sculpture in a nearby park at Milsons Point designed by Michael Lunig in honour of the victims, John Godson, Damien Godson and Craig Godson and Jonathan Billings, Richard Carroll, Michael Johnson and Seamus Mm -hmm. Raleigh. And um, a nice thing to end on, I think, is that a few years after it happened, in the midst of all the inquiries and the um, campaigning for justice and all of that, mm. Jenny realized that the boy who had been standing near her that night was Jason Holman. Mm. He, you know, had been the only other person standing there. They were both waiting for people who never came out. And when they realized who the other one was, uh, a few years after the tragedy, they became lifelong friends and are still in touch with each other to this day because they feel like they share a bond that nobody else understands.
0: Absolutely, they do. Mm. Wow. Well, yes, that is nice, but oh my God, that is such a sad story. I know. Oh, and... God, you mentioned Class Action Park a few weeks (laughs) ago and the amount of people who sent through other examples of tragedies that have happened in theme parks. And even
1: a a week after we talked about Class Action Park, a girl, did she die or was severely injured on a ride up in Queensland, I think? Like, Mm. it happens way more often than you think. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this was, to be fair, a ride that had been built. It was 40 years old when it happened. Mm. It was built in the 30s. The company taking care of it was not following safety. Like, there was so much going into it. I mean, Mm. uh, what do you think happened at the end of the day? Well, it sounds
0: to me like the thing was made of kindling. Yes. Like, it was paper mache surrounded by old bits of timber, of course. And a
1: corrugated iron roof that would just make it an oven. Super
0: hot. And, you know, all the different moving parts, of course, there's going to be friction. Mm. Like, it was just a powder keg that was waiting to go up.
1: Mm. Well, that's true. I mean, the thing, though, that they still can't figure out is how. But a lot of what I've looked at has said, most the most simple explanation is usually what it is. Mm. A lot of people smoked back then. And a lot of people would have, you weren't meant to smoke on the ride, but a lot of people probably did. Mm. A lot of people after going through probably needed a cigarette at the end. Mm. And so then lit up as they were coming out, might've thrown a match. Yeah. Like most of what I've read have said, it's probably something as simple as that. Mm. And the problem was that they had no measures in place to stop it from being bad Mm. when it started. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was sort of a perfect storm. It was bound to happen, all the different factors in place that, you know... Yeah. I cannot believe the World Trade Centre people were not held more accountable Mm. for this.
1: And that they tried to... They were like... What did they do? Just write World Blade Blender. Here's our application to get Luna Park back. They tried twice.
0: They put on glasses and a yeah. mustache and came back again. And Sydney
1: was like, no, you can't have it. Like, I can't even. It just, but it, yeah. And it was just negligence yeah. and a whole lot of things. It was the perfect and, storm. And even, I didn't mention it, but, um, About a month before this happened, there'd been an accident on the Big Dipper Mm -hmm. because this was June. So this is when the park was usually shut for maintenance, which Mm -hmm. they weren't doing, and cars on the Big Dipper came loose off the track, Mm -hmm. and so they stopped there, and then the cars coming up behind them were going full speed, bashed into them. A whole (laughs) bunch of people had been injured. Nobody died. Mm -hmm. But, like, there was accidents going on at the park. Like, Class Action Park, things were lax back then, and... I think all theme parks were a bit dodgy, but...
0: Well, it seems like there were very few rules that were actually, like, held in place. Yeah. I can't believe that when they weren't up to code, they were <laughs> given a 12-month extension. Yeah. And they, they were allowed to operate in those 12 months.
1: And that was a few months before the fire. That was like, if they said to you, no, you have to close until you've put in sprinklers... Like they had a hose at either end, like at the entry door and the exit door. Mm. But when the two attendants were like, oh no, they went to do the hoses, there was no water pressure. <gasps> so the water pressure just <laughs> went <laughs> blub, blub, blub. like everything went wrong. Everything oh, went wrong. It's
0: so sad.
1: And it could have been like it was waiting to happen. It was a disaster waiting to happen. It was just luck, depending on who was in there when it did. Like yeah. it could have been anyone. Not even that day or month. It could have been years before, like, it would just took the right sort of circumstances. Mm. Wow. So they do still call it one of Sydney's greatest unsolved mysteries because they still have no definitive answer as to why it happened and no one was ever punished.
0: Which is so hard to comprehend, but wow. I
1: know. I can't believe you hadn't heard of that happening at all.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised It was one well. of
1: those spooky bedtime stories my mum used to tell me <laughs> and Rhiannon, that all these people had died in this fire and this ride. To
0: put you to sleep at night. Yeah. Oh.
1: And one of my earliest memories is of being on a ghost train with her. It mm. can't have been at Luna Park because they haven't had one ever again since this happened. Mm. But it was somewhere... And I was petrified. I must have been two or three years old. And there was a man dressed in a gorilla. That was their thing, chasing you. Oh. But I just remember thinking, like, I'm going to, there's going to be a fire mm. and I'm going to get stuck in here with this gorilla, <laughs> like, at the bloody Luna Park.
0: And she took you into that.
1: Yeah, I'm it must have been the Easter show or something.
0: Oh, my God.
1: But I will say, I love ghost trains. I love cheesy rides. I do. Oh, I love them. Love them. They're so fun. What Cheek thrills.
0: One where you had to walk through. Would you do that? Yeah,
1: I yeah. love those. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, ironically, I mean, it feels weird saying this after this episode, but they feel like safer, the safest kind of carnival rides because you're, it's just you're sitting on a car going through a thing. Like, okay, there's no not being chance that it's down. Yeah, like you're not on a roller coaster that could collapse beneath you or all those horrible things you see. Like, it's just. Mm-hmm. It seems the safest <laughs> if it's not built in 1930 and run by a negligent company.
0: Yeah, which hopefully there aren't many of them out there anymore. Yeah, not left. So mm.
1: that's it. That was just the gist of the Lunar Park Ghost Train fire and we give you just the gist, but if you want more, I'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes. I actually found this one quite hard to research. There was a bunch of articles that came out in 2019 because that was the 40-year mm-hmm. anniversary There's a great one by the Mossman Collective, um, which had a lot of really good photos. I listened to a few podcast episodes. I found this amazing podcast called Get Ready to Beep, Felix. Fairground f*** ups. (laughs) And it's just all about this kind of stuff by an Australian Uh, girl. And she does a two-parter on this, which was really helpful. Mm. But I couldn't find any documentaries on it. Like I couldn't find any video content on it. It Mm. was mainly just articles and couple of podcast episodes so mm. there's not a lot out there on it i feel like sydney's tried quite hard to keep it just on the dl
0: yeah they don't want to discourage people from going to a again like reiterate
1: not connected or affiliated with what lunar park is like or run by today at mm. all they separate not the same <laughs> not the same legally etc that's been made clear. As Triple well, Stampy's Noah Racy's official <laughs> verbal signature. Okay. Mm. Anyway,
0: Stan will probably end up making a movie out of it. Well, I very
1: at least a documentary. Like, do you remember the um that like two-part miniseries television event back when we used to have free-to-air television events on the Granville train disaster yeah, that of had all Yeah, oh, I
0: can't believe I remember the that.
1: Day- Wow. That had Paul Mercurio in it. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid when it came out, so I remember thinking it was really tastefully made. It might have been awful. But mm. um that was something that really helped Australians realize how awful that had mm. been. And mm. I I'm surprised there hasn't been a similar one about the Ghost Train Fire, but mm. get on it, someone. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Oh, I work in television. Yeah. <laughs> I should make some calls. I don't know. Bags it. (laughs) Bagsies. Um, That's awful. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Well,
0: bye. Catch us on the gram.
1: Oh, oh, wait. Before we go, we are doing in January some Just the Gist live shows. (gasps) And we're finalizing the details right now. But because we're pre-recording our episodes over Christmas, we probably won't get to tell you about it. So Mm. just keep an eye out on our socials. We are going, we're just doing a few shows at first Mm -hmm. just to see how we go, but we might be coming to a city near you. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye out for when tickets go on sale, which should be before Christmas.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: There's going to be a number, a duet. Oh. (laughs) So there's going to be, we'll be recording a little episode eight. Like we'll do, we'll tell each other each a short, a shorter story. Mm. Just so it's not so long. And there'll also be... We decided we have to have a singing number. Absolutely. Um, Whether you want it or not. Yeah. It's gonna be <laughs> You're, getting in there. You're getting it. You're getting it. Okay. Bye,
0: guys. Bye.